We're continuing in our series today, and our series is entitled Building Church. And this is a series about what makes a healthy and God-honoring church. Last week, we defined what the church is and how that Christ is the leader and the founder and the decider of the church, the direction of the church, if you will. We talked about last week the fact that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. But one of the things we also highlighted in that particular message is church is not an address. It's not a building. Church is the people. It's us. The Bible calls us living stones. And that we together, as we come together, we build up this thing we call a spiritual house, bringing glory and honor to God. This is the church. And so within the context of the church, uh, we understand then that relationships is paramount. And uh, so I want to talk to us today about building lasting relationships. Now, obviously, we have an emphasis here on church and church family, because I believe that before we can really change the world, we got to change ourselves. Uh, we can't change the world if we ourselves are struggling with the very thing that we want to see changed in the world. We must model it. And how many know that charity begins at home? And so uh, and when we talk about relationships, relationships are is very complex and they can be very complex and very challenging, uh, mainly because we come from very different backgrounds and different walks of life. Obviously, our experiences are unique. Um, as I think about uh, Diva, I know nothing about Lithuania, for an example. And I'm sure that uh, we talk about cultural things, you know, what we eat and what we share and our experience. All those things are very, very different. And sometimes we try to put that, all of that together sometimes. It, it can create some level of stress and some level of tension. But understanding that the Bible says that we are supposed to be that unique body of people that people on the outside world see our diversity and see our different cultures and all the different places from which we come, they're supposed to be able to look at us and say, wow, look at that people. Look at how that, with all of that difference, that they're able to mesh together somehow. They're able to create this beautiful thing that we call church, which we believe is, in fact, the hope of the world. And so, my experiences, and I'm sure yours too, have taught you and I that we don't always use our tongue very well. And as a consequence of us not using our tongue very well, um, there's a whole lot of debris that have been left behind uh, throughout the world. And you really think about it, many of our issues and problems that we have uh, in our world, you can trace it all the way back, a lot of it, to how we use our tongue. In fact, I was thinking about this because uh, our, our current president, and I'm not here to talk politics or what you think or feel about him, but, but y'all know that he likes to tweet. And it's amazing how the one tweet can change the whole conversation of an entire nation. I mean, he just kind of sit back there. Whether you agree with what he's tweeting or not, you know that his words have power, don't they? I mean, and people take note of it for the good or for the bad, because obviously sometimes he used tweets in a way that I don't think that is God honoring. But having said that, words have power. Amen. They're very powerful. And, and, and one of the things I want to really drive home in this particular message today, I want you to really understand the power of that little thing in your mouth called your tongue. We'll talk about that as we move forward. But when I think about uh, a healthy church, a healthy business, a healthy marriage, healthy home, it all begins with healthy relationships, how we communicate one with another. And uh, as a, from a church standpoint, I've often said that um, great preaching alone won't keep people at a church. We've seen that. But great relationships does. Um, in fact, you ever been to some churches and you kind of wonder, and I'm not being critical of churches, obviously. I, I'm, I'm, I am the church along with you. We love the church. But, you know, there are some churches where, you know, the preaching may not be as dynamic and as great and as good. But, man, they seem like they have a whole lot of people that just love it. And it's obvious there are other reasons there, I'm sure, a complexity of, of, of reasons. But I think some of it, I think a large portion of that is that they know how to do relationships really well. 
So when so so our our opportunity. So I'll put it to you this way. So as we learn, the, the the better we learn how to do relationships, the better chance we have of doing church, family, whatever sphere of your life. Because I want you to understand that this message touches on every aspect of your life. I'm going to touch on you at home. I'm going to touch on you at church. I'm going to touch on you at work. I'm going to touch on you. This thing is going to touch every aspect of your life because these principles covers the span of them. And if, if you utilize the principles and things that we talk about today, I can almost, I will guarantee you that your life is going to be better. But not only your life is going to be better, you're going to make the lives of other people better around you. Why? Because what I'm going to share with you is strictly biblical. How many of you like the preaching from the word of God today? Me and my wife had a conversation about that last night. Man, we just love the, you know, we won't elaborate. Hallelujah. But it's something about the preaching of the word of God that gives power. And, uh, and, and you know, but, but going back to this thing about words, uh, and I understand that many of us have had some negative experiences in our life. We've been taught to do uh, relationships wrong. I saw a lot of folks yesterday at a funeral um, and people that I knew for many, many years. And, and, and uh, some are doing good and some are doing well. But a great deal of them who are not doing so well, it has, goes back to this thing about how we communicate with each other. It's amazing. So some of us grew up in abusive homes. Um, jealousy was just a regular emotion. You know, vengeance was a very natural thing. You know, somebody say something to you, kids. How many of you have heard that? Somebody say something to me, I'm going to get you back. All right? It's my thing, man. I can't just leave that out there. Hate is seen today as a norm. You notice in our society today, people kind of hate with ease now. Hate is just something that's just kind of out there. But when you really think about it, uh, think about what Jesus did uh, on the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, if you read that particular uh, gospel of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus gives his sermon. And really, the Sermon on the Mount was really a snapshot, if you will, of, of, of how to do relationships, how to make it work. That's really what the Sermon on the Mount all, was all about. When Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. We'll talk about that in a moment. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the merciful. How many of you love these things right here? Blessed are those uh, persecuted for doing what's right. Do good to those who hurt you. Not popular things, but they are true and they are life-changing. Love your enemies, by the way. It's a tall order, but that's what Jesus calls us to do. And Satan, he comes along and he fights us on every side. And he takes the word of God and he twists it, right? You know, he takes it, for example, the Beatitudes. And I just kind of made this up. So y'all tell me what you think about this. But, you know, Satan would say, blessed are the troublemakers, for they shall be called my children. <laughs> blessed are the complainers. Satan would say, I'm all ears. Blessed are those who gossip, for they shall cause strife and division. That pleases me. That's what Satan would say. Blessed are those who are easily offended, for they shall soon get angry and quit. <laughs> Blessed is he who professes to love God, but hates his brother and his sisters, for they shall be with me, Satan would say, forever. And as a consequence, you may kind of laugh at some of that, but that is kind of like the pattern that you see a lot of people are following. And don't even realize that they're following the enemy. And God calls us to live on a much higher place. And so Satan works overtime. This is why relationships are so hard. Because there's a spiritual component to it. Because if Satan can ruin relationships, he can bring down society. Are you with me? If he can ruin relationships, and so he works so hard in your family, this thing, how many know it starts at home? He, he, I mean, he works hard in marriages. I mean, how many know that it's tough? And some of these obstacles and some of these fights that we're having, man, it's a spiritual component. And I think a lot of times we don't get it. We just think, oh, what's wrong with him? Oh, what's wrong with her? And we don't even take the time to discern, wait a minute, what is the enemy doing here? You follow me. So let's go back to James here because it really outlines for us. It, it really talks about the power of the tongue because this is so important. I really want us to get this because this will be the foundation to the whole mess. And then right after that, I'll take you right through these uh, principles that I want you to apply in your life. Uh, and, and parents, I'm going to ask you to really uh, wake up your kids and, and let them get this down in their spirit. Because and why do you say that, Pastor? Because we live in a generation today, our youth, they, they, don't, they don't prescribe to these uh, principles. And so they're going to be fighting a wave of opposition, <laughs> you know, that's going to push against everything that God wants them to do and become. 
but we have to help them to find comfort in the word of God. So he's, James says here, he talks to us, he says in verse number one, not many of you become teachers. Talks about that from a standpoint of those who are leadership in churches. And he said, don't, many of you don't be anxious to do it because you're going to receive a stricter judgment. Don't rush to it. But he goes on to say, then verse number two, if any man stumble not in word, he is a mature person. So basically he's saying there that when it comes to spiritual maturity, one who is spiritually mature knows how to handle his or her tongue. How do you know there's a lot of people that know a lot of Bible, but boy, they, they fail in this area. They don't know how to handle their tongue. Oh, y'all, y'all with me. I mean, man, you can be smart. You can be, you can have all, all the accolades, but man, you don't know how to handle your tongue. Then you're not a mature person. You're not a mature Christian. One of the things mature Christians learn over time is we learn to be quiet. Everybody say be quiet. <laughs> oh, man. Because it's so easy to stumble in words. It is so easy to say the wrong thing. It is so easy. And, and how many of you have spoken it, man, and you just in slow motion, you see that thing leaving, you're trying to pull it back, but it's too late. And that's why the Bible talks about this whole thing of don't be quick to do it. Don't be quick to fire off at the mouth. So if, it, if any man not stumbling, well, he's a mature man. But look at verse number five and six in this particular passage of scripture. He said, even so the tongue is a little member, boasts with great things, and, and it boasts with great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles. As yesterday, well, this is thing, and some of you may have heard about this, and, but, uh, you know, I went back home to the country, and everybody in the country knows of the time when I was in the fifth grade, when I basically set the woods on fire. Did I ever tell you all about that? Uh, wow, okay, okay, I see that, I see. So, so anyway, so, um, wow. So, my, 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 Lord, what am I going to do with this? Okay. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk by faith and not by sight and tell y'all this story. So, because it's everywhere, every time I go home, it is the story that is always talked about. And so, I tell you about it. So, me and my sister, we decided, you know, we lived in the country, that we was going to cook some potato peelings. So, we're in the woods and we're making this fire. You know, and then we got this little fire going. It's just her and I and man, and I'm, you know, I'm all excited, man. We're going to cook up some potato peelings, you know. And before we knew it, man, the fire kind of hit the leaf and kind of hit one leaf, another leaf. And before we knew it, man, we're standing there and there's this kind of fire that's just getting bigger and bigger. And the whole time, I'm, li I'm literally standing there and we're both dancing and I'm trying to get this fire out. And while, as it, it seemed like the harder I tried, come on. The more the fire spread. All of a sudden, I turn around. I see my sister. Amen. She is gone to the wind. She's running. Mom, Garrett, and said the wind. And I hear people across the street, and they're yelling, Oh, God, he set the woods on fire. And before I knew it, there were acres of woods that were on fire. There were trucks lying all the way down my street. And I sat on the front porch, by the way, and I thought to myself, my life has just ended because I had already been uh, expelled, sent home in that same year. In my fifth grade year, I've been sent home already four times already, and I had just set acres on fire. And everybody in my neighborhood knew it. And as I thought about this message, I thought about the tongue in that context. How that the tongue is, is such a little bit. And I thought man, that that little fire, how that all of a sudden a whole community was awakened to what Gary did. And you know that because of your little tongue, you get a whole community can be alert, can be alerted to what you said. And, 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 and that little thing in your mouth called a tongue can, can destroy. And how do you know fire destroys? It burns up stuff. That's why it says, behold, how great a fire. I mean, this thing, how, how large a fire, how large a destruction it can cause. And, and, and if you will, indulge me, Walter can understand this, but indulge me for a moment. But, 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 but you need to understand that your tongue is like a weapon. Right? And one of the things they taught me when I was in the police academy many, many, many years ago is that they are, and they fight and board and, and they and when you don't do it they yell at you but they always say handle that weapon with care. You know, so you don't you don't ever just take a gun as, as pointed at anybody. Why? Because that thing can kill. Church, I want you to understand that that thing in your mouth 
It's a weapon. It can hurt some stuff if you're not careful with it. Look at your neighbor and say, be careful careful. with your tongue. Because it can wipe out stuff. It can harm people. It can destroy people's lives. It can destroy your own life. That's how powerful that thing is. And, 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 and people so loosely just talk and they say anything. And, and, and one of the things the Bible talks about in Proverbs, how, how that, 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 a, that a wise person uh, don't tell his whole mind. How that a wise person is a person that, that sits back and just he just doesn't fly, you know, just fly off the handle with the mouth. Why? Because he or she understands, and so doing that, they have the capacity to hurt some things. Now, there's a script in the Bible that says this, and everybody know what this verse is. It says in Proverbs 18, 21. Y'all, if you don't know this verse, y'all need to write this verse down. You need to memorize it. Parents need to teach your kids to memorize this verse. This verse is a powerful verse. It is probably one of the most powerful verses, particularly in the area of what I'm talking about. It is one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. Listen to this. Proverbs 18.21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Think about it for a moment. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Think about, think about that for a moment. You have, he said, you can kill some things with your mouth. You can destroy people's destinies, people's purposes with your mouth. You can say the wrong thing to your son or your daughter and you can destroy them with your what? Mouth. From a personal standpoint, I was thinking about something somebody said the other day. Because here's, here's, or said many, many years ago to me. Because as we know that there's death and life is in the power of the tongue, so we understand the death part because we can speak death. You know, you can speak death in your family. You can speak death to your children. You can speak death on your job. You can speak death. And I'm not talking about that you can't correct somebody when they're wrong. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this, just speaking death. But the good thing about this particular verse is it says death and life. Everybody say life. It's a death and life is in the power of the tongue. So watch this. So I can create life. Um, I, was, I was sharing this uh, yesterday with some folks. And years ago, uh, there's a, 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 the former uh, first lady of the church. She's still the first lady of the church. And uh, many, this was almost uh, 20 years ago. Uh, one day she cornered me. And she began to say some things to me. Uh, and it was about a succession of things. It was about several things she said to me. And uh, they encouraged me so much that I still remember them till this day. It's almost 20 years ago. I remember as it happened yesterday. One, she just cornered me and she told me about all the things that I was, the kind of person I was, the kind of man of God that I am, how God's going to do great things with me. She just stopped me in the hallway. It's about five, 600 people go to this church. And she just stopped me one day because I was at, we had a church play. And I did some singing in the play. And so she just pulled me over and she just began to tell me for about three minutes, told me all these wonderful things about myself. I still remember them till this day. Church, she spoke life to me. And, and, and as a consequence of what I was hearing, I believe, you know what, that there was nothing too hard, that I can accomplish some things. And, and how many know that there are a lot of people that are speaking death to their environment and they don't know why everything around them is laying low? <laughs> What's wrong with these people around here? And everybody said that. What's wrong? Why are these people? Well, maybe are you speaking life? Maybe you might have something to do with that because words have power. So now let's get into, uh, I'm going to give you some keys and I'm going to get you out of here and I want you to apply these principles. I'm going to give you some keys because I first want you to get the fact of how powerful our words are, how powerful our tongue is, because I hope now that as a consequence of just kind of understanding that, that it'll make you pause for a minute, um, you know, and, 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 and say what it is that you, you ever had a moment when you thought to yourself, man, you know, you got really mad. That's one of the worst times to open your mouth is when you're mad. Come on, church. How many of you have said the wrong things a lot of times because you got mad and you wish you hadn't said it? You meant well, and you go back in, and after you said it, you turn around, and you say, God, why did I say that? And then you know, a lot of times you have to come back and say, I'm sorry. You know, but even though sometimes, how do you know that sometimes, even though you say you're sorry, 
it still has an effect. Come on, church. You can say sorry, but it's still sometimes it, it, it's it's like Ugh, you said it, man. And, and I just you know you know I appreciate you coming to apologize, but boy, you said it. And 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 it's like one of those things that that when you when you when you say it and you can't get it back, and it's like. Man, I realized what I just did. And I'm trying to keep us to church. I'm trying to keep us from going in that path. I'm trying to set us up so that we don't have to do that. That, 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 that before we speak, that we really think about it. And if you are really, really mad, the best thing you can do is just turn around and go, I'll deal with this later, and leave, and then go somewhere, find a wall, and yell and scream at it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know, you can't hurt a wall, uh, but you can hurt a living person in front of you. You know what I mean? So let me give you some principles that's going to help you with this. I want you to kind of uh, write these, jot these principles down. These are uh, key principles I want to share with you this morning. Number one, and I said this, I hinted toward this earlier. And this is a key to building healthy relationships is we got to be, our, we got to be a peacemaker. Uh, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the hell raisers. Am I right about that? Uh, for they shall be called the sons of God. At the core, God's people are called or are meant to be people of peace. Being a peacemaker simply means that we become an initiator in reconciling conflict between us and others. What are you outside of the church environment? When you go into your workplaces or when you go inside the school? Do people see you as a peacemaker or are you one that kind of stir up trouble? You know, it's, it's amazing, but it's always something about the human nature that loves conflict. Am I right about it? Something about the human nature that thrives and feeds off of conflict. But the Bible said that God's people are peacemakers. Well, what that simply means is that, that everywhere we go, we figure out where the problems are and we try to make peace. Not only when we've offended somebody, but we try to create an atmosphere of peace. Because how many know that it's easy for people to come and drag you into their conflict? You know, you can be at work or wherever. You can obviously you can be at church or at work, and all of a sudden somebody come and they talk to you and they start dragging you into a conflict. And before you know it, you can either feed that conflict or you can be one to say, you know what, let's fix this. God expects us to be peacemakers, and the Bible says in Romans twelve verse eighteen, and this is a good verse. He said, "If it is possible, <laughs> as much as it depends on you." Live peaceably with all men. Now, here's one of the things I have learned. I can't control somebody else's mouth. I can't control other people. No, and, and you can't control other people. But what we can control is ourselves. So the Bible says as much as it depends on you, because sometimes there are some people that's going to be mad. And we, was, we were having this joke yesterday about somebody. Every time you see them, uh, you know, you ever met people like that, man, their face is reeking with stress and they're just not at peace. Every time you see them, it's like you can feel the energy, the negative energy. You ever met somebody like that? And, you know, and so we were talking about this yesterday, man, it's like, here, here they come, here they come. And, and you just know when they have, man, here they come. They're coming with all that stress and they're just not at peace. But how many know that God says, God wants us to walk in peace. He said, my peace I give to you and the world won't take it away. So what we got to do is we got to be people that are peace, people that represent peace and people that spread peace as much as possible to the extent that we can. Number two, we must be slow to uh, speak and quick to hear. And James 1.19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to rap. I believe this will cost, uh, this will save a lot of us a lot of bad times and a lot of money. Uh, if we learn how to be slow to speak, that doesn't mean being slow mentally. It just means that that every word that we speak, we got to learn how to speak it with purpose. Uh, be slow to speak. Don't be always quick to fall off. I've, I found that in my own life because sometimes, quite honestly, I struggle with this because all of us want to talk. You know, we want to, you know, most of us don't. We're not good listeners, but we're good talkers. Every now and then you'll find somebody who's a really, really, really good listener. I myself, I have to work at listening. I'm just as one of my hangups. I have to work at really like listening because, uh, you know, I'm one of those sometimes who just want to get my point across. Anybody else know what I'm talking about this morning? Uh, don't you laugh at me, Diver, like you don't know what I'm talking about. But look, all of us, all of us have some of that in us where we just, you know what, I want to get my point across. 
And if we're so eager to get our point across, we're not able to really discern what's really happening. So we got to learn how to just slow your roll, as they would say. I don't, I don't gamble, play poker, or anything like that. But, but I've heard the phrase "slow your roll," slow it down. And so, um, because um, we, as we already said, that once a word is out there, you can't get it back. So we need to be slow to speak. Don't be quick to always have to respond to it so you hear some negative information or when somebody say something about you or are quick to respond when you're having a conversation. Sometimes it's the best thing you can do is sit back and say, let me try to understand. I believe that a lot of marriages, a lot of uh, uh, homes are have problems because there's nobody who's really listening. And, uh, and everybody feel like, you're not listening to me. And, and the fact of the matter is nobody is really listening. And if we learn how to listen a whole lot better, I believe we'll find the voice of God. I believe we'll find the grace of God in our particular situations. Uh, number three, we want to avoid gossip. Um, everybody loves gossip, right? Everybody Who in here doesn't love juicy information? Come on. Who don't like to hear the next thing? Man, I want to, did you hear about? Um, let me define gossip. This is a really, really big one because it happens in the church so much and it happens outside the church. But gossip is something that happens everywhere you go. How many get gossip on your workplaces? Come on. Gossip at work. Uh-huh. Gossip at home. Uh, gossip in the church. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. Let me define gossip for you because I don't want nobody walking out here saying, I didn't know, Pastor, that I was gossiping. So can you please explain to me what gossiping is? Okay. I'm glad you asked. Let's just go to the word of God. Let's figure out what that means. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all excited today. This is good. So gossiper is that so gossiper is defined as a whisperer, a slanderer, one who reveals secrets. A gossiper is a person who has privileged information about people and proceeds to reveal that information to those who have no business knowing it. And oftentimes you'll see this kind of thing because, you know, when people are saying something, the reason why it's gossip and the secret, because probably they shouldn't be saying it. Because that's why I'm going to get you in the corner. Because, I mean, if it's good information, right? And if, if the conversation is what it should be, hey, you can hear what I'm saying. I ain't saying nothing. But, man, but when we know, and sometimes you know when you're gossiping because when you see the person, everything changes. How you doing? And, and you ever walk into a situation, you knew somebody was talking about you? Come on, church. Y'all, 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 come on, preach me. Y'all walked in, and you, knew, you just knew in your spirit. You didn't know what was said, but you knew the boy, when you walked up, the whole thing, the whole atmosphere changed. It's like, the whole, it's like, everybody just kind of look at you, like, hey, how you doing? You're like, you just like, man, there was a break in that conversation when I showed up, you know? So what is the intent here? See, the gospel, they often have the intent of, of, of building up themselves, watch this, by making others look bad. You ever notice there's one thing that the gospel does? everybody else has the problem, but they don't. <laughs> you follow me? See, they reveal potentially embarrassing or shameful details regarding the lives of others without their knowledge or approval. Wow, and that's, that's something else there. So, so let me show you how this thing masquerades itself in the body of Christ, because this is what we are. We're church people. See, gospel is so subtle, here it is, that it usually masquerades itself, and watch this. Here's, here's how it clothes itself. Uh, I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm really concerned. Okay. Well, and uh, have you ever asked a person who is so concerned? Have you ever asked them? Well, in your concern, had you ever brought it up to them? Nine times out of ten, they're going to say what? Nope. I, I just want to talk to you. But why do you want to talk to me? Well, because you know, I you might can do something about it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Right. Right. So it's, it's uh, you know, so we got to build a little about gossip when you hear this secret information being shared. A gossiper will seek you out as their confidant. You know, you're, you're special. You're privileged to this information. And, and gossipers, they always anxious. I mean, they want to hear. And every now and, every now and then, you, you, you're no one when you're seeing one because as soon as somebody bring out some information, oh, what, 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 what was that? They ain't even talking to you. It's like, all right, get, 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 get. Oh, really? Oh, I can't but Oh, really? And, and, and the whole thing, how you doing? Really? Oh, gee. Oh, oh, oh. This is a gospel, right? Gospel will usually, they will seek you out as their confidant to unload, watch this, as their confidant to unload their heavy heart of all of their big concerns. A gossiper, here's the deal, though. Here's the truth. Everybody say truth. 
See, a gospel is not sincerely concerned about solving the problem. No, they ain't really trying to solve. You know, gospel is, they don't really want to solve a problem. They want, see, only, they're only interested in talking about it <laughs> and stirring it up. You know, uh, the Bible talks about, like, for example, in Proverbs 16 28, here's, here's a verse. It says, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip, a gossip separates the best of friends. So one of the things that you learn about a gospel or somebody who's talking like that, and you know their gospel is, they have no intent on trying to fix anything. Because if you're really concerned about it, how, why, how many know that we got a bunch of cowards? You ain't going to say it, I'll say it. Well, Pastor, why are you calling me? Because how many know that the minute we don't like, what's that movie? Uh, somebody help me. Anybody ever watch Toy Story? Who was that dude in Toy Story that said, I don't like confrontation? The dinosaur. <laughs> We're a bunch of dinosaurs, man. We don't like confrontations. We just don't like to do it, man. We, we're, we're wimps. We don't like to face. And look, but how many know that a lot of times we can squash a lot of problems if we're bold enough to say, hey, you know what? But here's the deal. A gossiper, they're not interested in solving a problem. They just want to find out the next big information and keep it going to make other people look bad. And here's the thing, you gotta be smart enough from a spiritual perspective because you, you, wanna be a, you wanna be a person that builds relationships. Have you ever met somebody, honestly, I mean authentically, honestly, have you ever met somebody who always seemed to participate in none of that stuff? That every time you see them, they seem like their life is pretty good, you know, they don't, never have a bad word to say about anybody. And then usually when there's some gossip, usually they're kind of quiet. They can, you ever met somebody like that? You think about somebody that, like that in your life, they just, they, they just don't, they, they just know how to separate themselves from that. How many of you like me? Just don't like drama. <laughs> I don't like drama. I listen, if I want drama, I go to the movies in Jesus' name. I just don't like drama, man. I just, you know, because how I many know that you can always find drama? In, 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 you know, if you're looking for drama, drama will find you. You don't even have to look hard because it's all over the place. You know, you can come, oh, I'm going to move from, I'm going to move from here. You can move cross country and you'll find, uh, you'll find drama wherever you go. You know, I, I was marveling the other day because we had a family who moved because they said their kids uh, like gangs. So they'll, I'll move my kids out of the atmosphere. And then the kid is all of a sudden, the kid now is still attracted to gang. I said, what? Because it, it's still in them. You can, wherever you go, come on, church, you'll find, you'll find it doesn't matter. Until you change on the inside, nothing else going to change. You, you can move your location all you want to. This is why sometimes you get some of these NFL football players, come on, they, they are rich and have a whole lot of money, but they still act like they're in the ghetto because in their heart they handle their money like ghetto. Come on. And they broke. Y'all hear me. Y'all don't want to say amen, but it's the truth anyway in Jesus' name. All right. So we got to stay away from gospel. So we want lasting relationships. We got to use our tongue wisely. I'm not going to be, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm just not. And learn and be that, be that person that says, be, just, be, just do this for me. Be that person that says, you know what? I appreciate what you're saying, um, but let's figure out a way to help this person. Let's go talk. And usually, here's what you'll find out. Either they're going to fix a problem or you'll never hear about it again. <laughs> Which would be perfectly fine with me. Another thing, we're going to have a healthy relationship. We've got to look at our own selves, right? Jeremiah 17 9 talks about how that the heart is deceitful above all and desperately wicked. And, um, and so we have to know ourselves. And, and uh, you know, one of the things I've discovered in my life is very, very easy uh, to uh, point out other people's sins, uh, other people's shortcomings. And um, last I checked, for every time I point a finger at one person, how many fingers are pointing back at me? Right? For every person you point at, there's always several fingers pointing back at you. That's why Jesus says, be careful. He said, look at the, the, the why you want to talk about the moat that is in somebody else's eye. Look at the big old bean that is in your own eye. So one of the things about relationships, we're going to have healthy relationships. We got to learn to take a look at ourselves first, right? You know, just, just have an open heart. You, say, you know what? I need to examine my own heart. Let me, maybe is it, it's possible that you could be wrong. Well, pastor, I ain't never wrong. I'm telling you right now, this is the rest of it. This is going to help somebody. It is possible that you could, it's a possibility, it might be slight now, but there is a possibility that you could be wrong about something. How many know that sin has a way of blinding all of us? It has a way of blinding us, man. We think we're right, man, and that's why the Bible talks about being humble. We have to be humble because the reality of it is, is we're all broken. 
And if we, if we truly understand that, then we start, you know what, when somebody brings that, bring a, uh, what do you call it, constructive criticism. I'm going to say constructive criticism for the purposes of this message. But when somebody brings something constructive, maybe we just say, you know, let me, I don't think I had that problem, but you know what, let me think about that for a moment. Let me pray about that. Because um, maybe there's a little bit of that in me. You'll be a big person for doing that if you're able to come to that place in life. Humility would go a long ways with God. Let me tell you right now. Uh, the fifth point that we're going to have walk, uh, lasting relationships is we got to walk in love. Um, mm, Ephesians 5.2 says, Walk in love if Christ also loved us and given himself for us and offering the sacrifice to God for his sweet-smelling aroma. Walk in love. That means live in it. Stay in it. Love is patient, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, verses 4 and 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. You know, one of the things about walking in love, we're not jealous. You know, um, we're always happy about other people that succeed in life. You know, I'm, uh, I was, uh, yesterday, I was, uh, when I was at the, uh, the funeral, my brother, uh, that many of you have met my young brother. He's now a chaplain in the Navy, so he got to wear his dress whites, his, his whites, his Navy, his officer uniform. Anybody ever seen an officer and a gentleman? Anybody ever seen that movie? You, know, you ever seen that movie? It's a great, it's a great movie. But do you remember, the, you remember who, was the, who was the actor? Uh, Richard Gere, he wore that at the end. He came and sweep, sweep, I guess he came and picked up that lady. He was wearing all his whites and all his, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's sharp. And, uh, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, because when we first had him, he was, uh, he was 13, he was carrying guns and selling dope, and uh, he couldn't read. And here I am sitting at him yesterday, and all the family, and the whole, and it was, how, how many people you say were at that funeral yesterday? It was hundreds. It was a lot. But they asked him to come to the front, to sit up front, and, uh, and, uh, and I thought to myself, man, I was so happy for him. Um, I was, you know, his success. And, and behind me know that God wants us to be that way when it relate to people. We can, see, walking in love means that we're not jealous of other people's success. That we're happy when other people succeed. This is the will of God, church. Um, that, that, that love is not uh, boastful. It's not proud. It's not, it don't demand its own way. It's not selfish. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of when it has been wronged. It never, um, it's never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up and never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures in every circumstance. So if we're going to have lasting relationship, we really got to love people. And what I mean by that is loving your enemies and love people even when they do you wrong. Um, we got to be people that know how to love and we got to know how, how to love when it's hard. But we're required to do that. And by the grace of God, if we tap into it, we can. We're almost done here. But number six, we got to communicate to build up. If we're going to have relationships, we got to use our words to build up. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everybody. Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So one of the things that we can do, a good practice that we can do is before we say anything, ask ourselves the question, is this going to build somebody up or is it going to tear somebody down? Um, get into a habit of building people up. You know, just be a builder of people, man. Use your words. We already talked about how powerful words are. So just use our words to build up people. Husbands, use your words to build up your spouse. And parents, use your words to build up your children and you know, use your words at, at the office, you know, on, on your job. Use your words to build people up. Just build them up. And, you know, and, and maybe you've been one of those that haven't always done really, really well with that. And people may, you know, you all of a sudden you start trying to build people up your words. Somebody might look at you and think, let them think you're crazy for a moment. But just, <laughs> but, but make it something that, that, you know what, this is the way I'm going to be. This is who I am. You, let your words always be um, uh, given in a way that they build people up and not tear people down. And, and I want to say this too, I think it's important. There's a way to um, rebuke and yet still build people up, by the way. Y'all hear what I'm saying? If the rebuke is out of love and it's done out of love, you follow what I'm saying? Then you can rebuke somebody, watch this, and, and watch it and still be building them up all at the same time. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And you can rebuke them. Um, 
you know, I remember my, my brother would tell you, the same brother I was talking about a moment ago, he would tell you if, if he talked to you. But years ago, before he got saved, my wife and I just adopted him. He had snuck out of the house and in the middle of the night. And he was trying to give us this impression that he was walking with God. And then, you know, we found out we listened in on a phone call. It's a long story. But anyway, but he ended up going outside and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, and I got up and I was like, man, you know, it's like one o'clock in the morning. He left the door unlocked and here I am a policeman. My wife is pregnant with my oldest son who's in the back and my doors are open and he's out in the street. And I'm like, what in the world is he doing? And, uh, and I was so, uh, so, I was so upset at him. And I, and, and I remember thinking to myself, cause I knew he was going to come back home. So I, I, I closed the door and I locked it and, uh, and I locked the door and I knew he was going to come back home. And I, and I remember, um, uh, and I'm thinking to myself the whole time when I when I see him, I'm gonna kill him. That's all I was thinking. I was, I'm gonna boy, and that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm walking around, man. I'm like, woo, man, I'm gonna get him. Oh, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him. And I just kept going. Now I'm I'm basically I've only, I'm only about two years in the faith now, so I'm still kind of a babe in Christ. And I'm just thinking, boy, I'm gonna get him. I can't believe he left my door open. My wife's been pregnant. This boy's out here, and we just got him. We just brought him here. Look what he's doing. He's been lying to us the whole time. He's living his whole other life, and I'm just ah da da. And I'm thinking, man, I'm thinking I'm gonna get him, and. Uh, so I went through all that, you know, how many of you done something like that? You know, you go through this stuff in your mind and, you know, I didn't. So he come through the door. I didn't know what to do, but I knew it wasn't right to hit him. Right. I can't hit him because I'm mad. So it wouldn't be right. And he's like 13, 14. You know what I'm saying? So and all I said to him and he came in, he and he didn't know what to do because remember, he thinking the door is unlocked. So he, I see the I see the handle of the door moving. <laughs> and, and door is locked. He don't know what to do. So the door just, I keep hearing. And I'm watching this knob just dance. He don't know what to do now because it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. He's locked out. He got to get inside. So finally, after about 10 minutes of just trying to get, you know, I hear this. <laughs> this light little knock, you know. And then, you know, because he had, he had no other choice. He had to get in. And he came in the house. And I looked at him. He tell you this is the truth. And I looked at him. And, uh, and I said to him, I said, uh, you know, I said, um, I looked at him, I said, you know what? I am so disappointed in you. I said, I am so disappointed that you did this. And I thought that you were a different person and that I'm so disappointed. Go ahead and go to bed. And I went to bed and went to sleep. But, you know, he told me, he, said, he says the thing that he remembered most, the thing that changed his life was what I said to him that day. And it was after that that he really became a believer. Isn't that amazing? Now, I rebuked him, but what did I do? I, I lifted him up. Because I said, he said, because the thing that which I didn't know, the thing that he really wanted to do was, you know, do the right thing. He wanted to please his big brother. And, and as a consequence, I realized, and I didn't even know then what I was doing, because it was the Holy Spirit that restrained me. But that's what was exactly happening. I built, I rebuked him, but I built him up. And here's what I'm trying to say. Let's learn how to rebuke and build people up at the same time. Because sometimes that's where we struggle. We don't, know, we don't know how to do that. So if it's always, let me give you a hint. If it's always motivated out of love and not out of spite. When you find yourself saying something or communicating something and you're really trying to hurt somebody with your words, then it's wrong. Right? That's what you don't want to do. But if I'm saying it because I love you and I really want to build you up. And sometimes, you know, as a parent, your kids don't always understand it. Because you talk to them, they always think you're trying to hurt them. Right? You listen to your kids and they're like, man, you, you doing me wrong. No, I'm just trying to build you up. And so we, we got to learn how to do that. So use our communication in a way that's going to build people up. Uh, we're almost done. Uh, number seven, we want to handle conflicts and sin from a biblical standpoint. Um, I, I, hit, I hit on this earlier, and I wanted to, to echo this again. i just give you a couple of verses. Uh, Galatians 6.1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who call yourself a mature Christian, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Everything about the Christian is always about restoration, right? We always want to restore. Um, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, a very pa uh, powerful passage of scripture that we're all familiar with. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. You know what's amazing about that particular passage? He says here that if you're at the altar, you're praying, you're going to talk to God, and you remember your brother has something against you. Not even that you have something against your brother. He said, you just remember that they might have a problem with me. 
He said, put down your gift, go back and be reconciled to your brother, and then come back and talk to me. So what Jesus is really trying to communicate here is that we got to learn how to, how many like faith, how many got Apple, well, this church ain't Apple phone. This, this church got problems. So we got a couple of people. So those folks who are not here, the few that do have Apple phones, the ones who are right with God have Apple phones. And um, I'm sorry, I, I just had to go there, okay, take it. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the most lively y'all been all morning. All right, so anyway, so 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 if you look at so uh, I just lost my chain of thought on that one. Um, uh, but but yeah, so so if you have an Apple phone, so they have this feature called FaceTime. Everybody, you know, folks who are people out here in the audience, y'all know what I'm talking about. So my wife and I, we use FaceTime all the time. It's a great app because and only you can only do it with people who have Apple phones. So if you are a Google or Samsung person or Android, whatever that Android, Android, and whatever that is, um, uh, that, that so usually so you can't you can't participate in FaceTime, but but I believe church that we need to be a people that embrace the spirit of FaceTime, and what I simply mean is we gotta we gotta we gotta learn how to be comfortable enough to go and confront people in a biblical way when there is a real issue. I mean, honestly, think about how many lives will be saved. Think about how, many, how, much more our, how much better our relationship will be if we just had the courage to say, you know what, can we talk? Just pull somebody over and say, I need to have a conversation. You know, sometimes we'll walk around harboring stuff in our heart, being mad and angry at people and bitter, when all we need to do is go over there and say, can, can we talk? How many know that a lot of times things are not what we think they are until you have that conversation? I've just found this to be true. From experience has taught me this. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm 52 years old. I'd be 53 in about another couple of months. I'm here to tell you right now that there, that there, a lot of times the things that I thought that when I had an impression about thing or something, when I went and actually talked to a person who I thought may have wronged me or whatever the case might be, oftentimes it's not what I thought it was. They were thinking something totally different, but I just, I, I didn't have the courage to go and have a conversation. All I'm saying is, let's develop the let's develop the courage. If you got a problem, kids, if you have a problem with your mom and dad, say, "Mom, dad, can we can we talk? Can I have a conversation? I just want to talk about it." Husband and wife, you know what? I got an issue. Something you said the other day. Something you did. Can we have a conversation? Can we just talk about this? Go to work. You know. Uh, uh, you know what? I I, I know, we, you know we don't know each other, but there's something that's bothering me every time I see you, and I just. Were you thinking this because this is what I thought? Did you, were you really, did you, or were you behind this? Because something tells me you might have sent that, that email. And I just see, did you really do that? In other words, church, let's be people that FaceTime. Let's do, let's do more FaceTime. I know it's harder nowadays because everybody like to what? See, texting can be good, but it can be bad in neck and a lot of things because most of your communication a lot of times is with your mouth, but there's also a lot of nonverbal stuff. And people hide, and how many know that people hide behind text big time? I mean, I've, as a pastor boy, I can't tell you how many times I got these cryptic texts from saints. <laughs> you know, a cryptic, right, baby? It's like, you know, and you know that how you know they ain't telling the truth. They're sending it because they don't want to do what? FaceTime. Because it's easier for me to just drop you this. I, I don't want to talk to you. I know I probably should sit down and talk with the pastor about this, but. I, 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 I'm going to shoot the text. It's a lot easier. And then we, let me tell you what you really, you are a coward. Wizard of all, who was that dude that was a coward? Who was it? Ain't that some the lion a coward? We are lions in spirit. How many know we, we, how many know we belong? God's called us to be uh, uh, bold as lions. But we're, we're twisting that thing, man, because we're, we're just like, we're not bold. We're not courageous enough. All I'm saying is let's be courageous enough to go and confront people when we have an issue. We got to forgive people. That's another point. Uh, I'm almost done here. Uh, five minutes, we'll be done. Um, I'm going to cut this short. So, But uh, forgive one another. Forgive. If we're going to have lasting relationships, we got to forgive each other. Um, how many know that most of the Bible, when Jesus talked about uh, a lot of things, you go back and read the Gospels and you read the epistles, you know they were all relationship-based. Do you realize that? All of that stuff that Jesus talked about was all relationship-based. And he talked about forgiving. Jesus felt so strongly about forgiving. He said, if you don't forgive your brother, he said, neither would I forgive you if you don't forgive. That's how strongly he felt about forgiving. 
And why did he put so much emphasis on forgiving? Why did the epistles? Because we all know it's hard. It's hard to forgive people that have wronged us. But if we're going to be the light of the world, we got to we got to model forgiveness. I have to learn how to forgive people that done me wrong, or you know, some of us have had some stuff done to us wrong in the past about people. We got to learn how to forgive people. We just got to do it. It's for our own benefit, um, and uh, we got to do it. Because here's the problem. Here's the issue. Um, uh, somebody's going to offend you today. Somebody's going to hurt you tomorrow. Somebody's already hurt you. Um, you know. If you if you leave this church and you go to another one, then somebody somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to hurt you there too. You know, wherever there's people, there's going to be pain. There's gonna, you got to learn how to deal with it. If you're running away from one issue because you know what I you know I'm thinking, man, if I go over here, I won't have that problem. It's going to be a problem. So learn how to forgive people, and then finally. If we're going to be have relation, uh, lasting relationships, I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you um, to pray. Pray for your offender. Pray for the person that hurt you, that wronged you. Confess your faults one to another. And pray for one another that you might be healed. One of the things that I've learned that is so key when it comes to relationships is praying for people, praying for the person that's hurt you, praying for people who wronged you and allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to change a person's heart because you can't change people. And that's part of the frustration that we all have, right? We want to change people. We want people to see it our way. Um, and uh, I mean, know that's a lot of work to try to get people to see it your way. <laughs> Right? Sometimes, man, it's hard work to try to get people, especially when they're dug in. It is hard to try to get people to see things your way. If you don't believe me, send out a crazy post and see how that you send out some kind of crazy post on Facebook, something crazy. You try to you put out a perspective. And boy, see how people jump all over you, man. You put out something crazy. Uh, my son in the back, he did something crazy the other day. Amen. We need to pray for him too. Amen. Uh, but he put out there something, he put out there something crazy. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't say all crazy, but I, you know, I wouldn't use that methodology. But um, but the point of it is, is, it's hard to get people. You can't change people. You can't make people see things. You can't make them do it with the way you want to do it. So all you can do, I find a lot of times, pray for people. If people, if you really feel strongly that you're right about something, the best thing you can do is pray and ask God to reveal it to them. That is the absolute best thing you can do. And don't and don't try to seek revenge on anybody. You ain't. God didn't tell you to do that. Don't go try to get people back. You are not supposed to be getting people back. Um, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know what God is saying to us when it comes to relationship? He's saying, trust me enough to do it my way. Frank, Frank Sinatra, right? He had a song, beautiful song. I love that song. I just love, I've always liked Frank Sinatra. I'm crazy, call me whatever, but I just love Frank Sinatra. I thought he was just, you know, he had a song that's called My Way. Um, you know, he said, it's just, just, you know, and I think sometimes, uh, you know, um, it's all about sometimes doing it, you know, my way, our way. But we really have to be open to God and the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, it's your show. God, this is, you know, I've tried. I can't fix this person. I can't. I'm just going to have to. I'm just going to have to trust you. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to try to get them back. They did me wrong. Yes, God. Um, but you know what? I'm going to trust you. Let's just trust God. Let's learn to trust God to fix, uh, to do relationships His way. And I believe that when we learn to do relationships God's way, then we're all going to be happy. We're all going to be better off uh, in so many ways, spiritually and health-wise, in Jesus' name. Amen. You see that word? Come on.